As quarantine continues, it's a welcome return to Soundtracking for the wonderful Lenny Abramson, who joined us back in episode 107 from the BFI to discuss Little Stranger. Lenny's most recent project is Hulu's adaptation of Sally Rooney's fantastic novel, Normal People, which will be available in full via the BBC iPlayer from April the 27th. Starring Daisy Edgar-Jones and Paul Mescal, it is a beautifully pitched coming-of-age tale that tells the story of Marianne and Connell as they navigate a relationship during their school and university years. Now, as well as featuring loads of crack and needle drops, Normal People is scored by Lenny's longtime collaborator, the lovely Stephen Rennix. And it's with Stephen's cue, much prettier girls in school, that we begin. Thanks so much for doing this. It's so Not nice to speak all. to you. Always a pleasure, my love. I've watched four episodes of yes. uh, Normal People and there's so much I want to talk about. I, if you could see me now, yes. I'm holding up my vers- my book of, I'll tap it for you, of Sally Rooney's uh, Normal People. The look of it, the casting of it, the sound of it. The shots, oh, it's just beautiful. Congratulations. Uh, thank you so much. I, you know what? It's so funny because the be- the two, the, my favorite episode probably is F5. So you're, you're, you're about to see that. It's the real, it's the one where you get to feel just like pleasure from the start to the finish, you know, um, before things go tits up again in, in F6. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is a bit of a first for you though, isn't it? In terms of, of uh, a series for TV. Yes, I did years ago with Marco Halloran, who I made uh, two films, Adam Paul and Garage, with. Yeah. We did a series for RTE called Prosperity, which was like very different and, and, and sort of still like in the old days of television before streaming and, and all the sort of revolution. But 
it's been a long, long time. And to do something, yeah, of this sort of profile and, and reach and everything, it, it does feel like a, a new thing for me. With this book being the kind of the phenomenon that it was as well, do you try and not think about that when you're going into it? Do you approach like a brand new thing almost? Yeah, I mean, when we when we uh, first read it, so Ed Guiney had read it, and Ed, who I worked with, yeah. produced everything and is just, you know, an amazing part of uh, my life in that way. And um, Element Pictures and Andrew Lowe, his partner, Ed said, look, this is amazing, this book. And, and I'd read Conversations and loved it. And he, he, he said, read Normal People. At that point, it hadn't been published. So the first time I read it, oh, wow. know, there was an awful lot of buzz about it. We knew that there was very, like, lots of people wanted it to make it into a piece of either television or film. Like, so it was a, there was already a lot of people circling it, but it hadn't, it, it hadn't become the thing that it became, you know, where you couldn't get on the tube without seeing five people reading it. Or, you know, every time you open social media, somebody's yeah. talking about it. So in that sense, I read, I had a very pure read the first time and I absolutely just loved it. Mm. But I think close to the end of the, and then you just get so sucked into the process. Like there's no time to think about, you just want to make, not wreck it. And you just want to make, you know, get through the process, like always without catastrophe. That's the feeling I always have when when I'm making something, it's just the pressure of it. But then at the end, I think you start to think again especially given what happened to the book, you think, oh God, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hope people don't feel that, you know, you've, you've, you've done something horrible to a family member of theirs. But, <laughs> uh, but you, you also, I suppose there is that thing, you know, where you have to trust yourself and trust the process. And we had two such amazing actors. When I got them together for the first time and then we started to work and rehearse and then shoot, couldn't look at it and go, ooh, I wonder whether this is good or not. You could feel it. Yeah. And actually, you know, there's a really interesting thing that happens. So I've talked about this with people, close people recently, which is that oddly, when you read a book, lots of people form a very definite mental picture of what the characters look like. Right. Yeah. And they, they've got to be all different because, you know, everybody's imagination is different. And there is some description in Sally's book, but it's, she's not like she doesn't layer it up with loads of descriptions of what they look like. So it's very open to imagine. And yet. When you put, if you cast right, and if the essential kind of quality of the character is is preserved, it's amazing how many people afterwards will say that's exactly how I imagine them. And you know that they could not, that could not be true because yeah. there's just too many ways to imagine. And yet somehow, like like all these imaginary versions of the character coalesce into the person on screen if the adaptation is good. That was actually what I was just about to say to you was in terms of. That very thing is that Daisy is exactly who I'd imagined Marianne to be. It's so weird. It's like, you know, it's kind of, that's the crazy and brilliant thing of how they've encompassed these characters. And where on earth did you find Paul from? Oh my gosh. I know. He's um, he's such a revelation. That's a word that's overused, but he really is. A, both of them are for me. Paul, like, he's never done any television. He's a brilliant stage actor. He's very young. He'd come out of drama school a couple of years before I met him. And he's just unbelievably good. I mean, he's like, I, I still sort of scratch my head and think, God, oh, that is just such a, to find both of them was such an incredible stroke of luck and brilliant casting, by the way, Kylie to just bring, to go so far and wide to find people. But he actually came very early. He was one of the first self-tapes that I watched. Wow. And it's really interesting, right? Because you look at a lot of, you know, there are sort of fashions in stars, not acting is acting, but there's a sort of in the star in the world of stars, right? You know, you'll get 
a period of time where everybody looks like Charlton Heston or Victor Mature, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they're all yeah. like big sort of alpha blokes with massive chests and mm-hmm. all that, right? And then yeah. you'll get a period of time where everybody's like slight and beautiful and waif-like, right? Timothy but, Chalamet, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's where we've been for a long time. Yeah. But Paul is really the sort of, he has got amazing masculinity, you know? Absolutely. It's like Cosmo Jarvis in the Calm With Horses film as well. Absolutely. That's totally. sort of similar, similar thing. It's just, yeah, it's an amazing presence, but a beautiful fragility behind this yes. kind of beast of a man almost, you know, kind of physically. Absolutely. And and he's not, and it's not, and you know, it's so funny because you, you know the way you could imagine like the bad version of that. Yeah. And just like then on, on the Daisy side, you can imagine the bad version of Marianne, which is yeah. Like, loads of friction and and kind of harshness but underneath is this kind of delicate but yet she does that with such beautiful nuance yeah yeah it, it, they're, they're really brilliant the two of them. and the way you've shot it as well in the episodes that i've seen just in terms of the kind of closeness that you you know how close you are to them you know and those beautiful kind of close-ups on on their faces where there's no real dialogue and you're almost learning so much from about the characters from the way that you've shot those moments it's just gorgeous it really really is oh thanks edith yeah i was lucky as well to work with um on my my episodes i worked with susie Lavelle, cinematographer mm-hmm. she's absolutely brilliant and she we we like in in lots of boring technical ways just chose lenses and way of working which just gave us this kind of ability i think to be super private with the characters yeah and, yeah 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 exactly yeah you know and move in and out of the public and the private in that way and like that is funny thing, isn't it? About you read a novel and you go, how can you transpose this something so internal? Yeah, and yet you can. I mean, that's the glory of 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 fi- filmmaking. You can just on the faces and in the the moods and in the way that you spend time with them, you just learn at all, at all these sort of nonverbal ways. You just learn all this kind of truth about them. Did uh, did you approach this in the same way you would approach a, a film then, in terms of because, you know, the way that TV is now, there are so many fantastic opportunities to to basically tell long form stories in the same way that feature films are. And actually even longer form and 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 actually without the same pressure episode to episode to have like uh, the full dramatic arc, you know. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about like I definitely did like at a granular level, at the level of of in, of, of the way I worked with the actors like thinking where I worked with the crew and cinematographer, the way we, the way we conceived of it, like scene to scene, it felt very much like working on a feature film. But what was amazing was, I don't know how you describe it, but like the, the, the particular type of focus could only happen with that amount of screen time and short episodes. So that in a film, I don't know, there needs to be that build and ebb. You, you know, there's a sort of a different kind of, intensity that you have to find in a feature film here the intensity can kind of build and ebb and flow in a different way and you can really sit with the characters and you can like play their first love scene which is in episode two mm-hmm. for like six seven minutes and actually that's not the central scene of the whole series it's one of many really important scenes and so that way of working i don't know it's it's liberating in a certain way in the way that telling a story in a feature film is I'm still in love with the hour, two hour, hour and a half, yeah. two hour thing. And and the experience in a cinema for real is is sort of, that's its own thing that can't be kind of copied at home. 
but it's not the little brother of cinema anymore. It's just a different yeah, yeah. It's a different way to work. But I love the fact that it's be the investment that's been made in this story to tell it in this way because, like you say, it gives it room to breathe. And and so, how many episodes are there in total? There are twelve episodes in total, and you think, and- yeah, it's a, it, it, it's not a huge book, but yeah, there are twelve half-hour episodes, so they vary between like twenty-five and thirty-five minutes. And you've done half. I've done half. So I had the privilege of being of setting it up. So and, and I'm a one of the exact producers across it. So I get I got to sort of sit with it from very beginning to very end. But I directed the first six episodes and then a wonderful director called Hetty McDonald took over the second six. And the story does fall into those two halves in a way. There's a sort of tonal shift, subtle but very definite between um episode six and seven. And that's why it felt like having two voices felt really exciting so it's not like we we just you know threw episodes at a bunch of directors it was very much a decision to do it in that way I did toy with the idea of doing all of it but I felt like it would add to it to have that other that that, to, to, to see what it did to it to give somebody else a sort of hold of the last half and also for me it would have been very hard to prepare all 12 and to work in as much detail as I did if I had another block to do after that what I loved about the the music in this as well is that it's 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 quite different for you in terms of I couldn't really think of big examples of you using existing music yeah. to to the yeah. to the extent that it's used in in the in the episodes that I've seen anyway you know in terms yeah. of that wonderful marriage of score but really accepting the power of of existing music but not done in a way that's overtly you know, emotion twisting, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we try to use music uh, like, um, you know, commercial tracks yeah. in a way which just allows you to sit back and feel what you've just experienced or, <laughs> you know, it, it, it happens in these gaps. Like there's some really nice uses. I think there's a place in episode four where Marianne has met Connell again, having not seen him since they moved to college. And the fir- whole first half of the episode is her, is him. Mm-hmm. And then they meet and the whole second half of the episode is her. And she wakes up after meeting him and there's this beautiful Fionn Regan track called Dogwood Blossom playing. Keep climbing into my head without knocking And you fix yourself there like my on this ghost of a street where I'm living I'm in a chrysalis and I'm snowed in Darling, darling, that dam's gonna give It's inevitable the way that you live Bottles in brown paper and a mouth that slurs all the shit that it stirs. Let that dogwood blossom. There'll be hell to pay in heaven for you take 
just so expresses that sense of kind of the emotional kind of that tender achy thing that she's feeling when mm -hmm. she wakes up having met him again with you know wakes up beside a guy that she doesn't really care that much about and 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 yeah there's some there's lovely pieces and I'd love to talk to you about those choices but the general feeling of using I've always been quite and I think in film you just got to be really careful so things don't go all montage and yeah. you're not just doing a quick sort of like uh, let's inject some Either I don't know what what it's sometimes used in a kind of cheap way. I think uh, clear tracks, mm -hmm. um, and I've been very reticent about them in film. But I think there is a way in which they can be used so well. And I felt like um, Juliette Martin and and Maggie Phillips, these two brilliant music supervisors, who along with Nathan Nugent, who's this amazing guy, the editor that I always work mm -hmm. with, who's very very good on music. And then things that I loved throwing them in as well. It did add, I think. I don't know it just felt right in this in a way that it hasn't yeah. felt right to me to do before and I feel it mar it marries really well with Stephen's work Stephen Rennix who's I've worked with on absolutely everything composer there are just some key themes that he's found for this and uh, which echo right through the series which are absolutely vital I mean there's loads of other pieces that he composed but keep key themes that he managed to find which I think are particularly beautiful and which just they, they they sort of chime and they call back to earlier scenes and mm -hmm. and so that combination of of cleared music and and his music just seems to be a right for this one Was that a kind of direct conversation that you had with Stephen then with regards to the idea that, you know, this was a story about these two people whose whose lives, you know, they, they, they meet and they part and they meet and, you know, it's kind of as a constant sort of backwards and forwards with this relationship, but how the music for me within what I've seen feels like those themes that you talk about almost, they're contemplative, if that's the right word yes. to Yes. to the emotion and the feeling between these two individuals. And was that something you spoke to Stephen about, about the purpose of those themes in a way? Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're, 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 they're reflective, contemplative rather than propulsive, for sure. And, um, and I think that's something that Stephen is particularly great at doing.
we did talk we talked loads through this whole process i mean i think probably i don't know i probably gave steven less on this than i would on a film and that was that was hard because just the the relentlessness of the process of the, that number of episodes um and the and the, the sort of push of the schedule was so much i don't think we didn't spend as much time sitting around which i love doing with him and just analyzing what's really happening and so in a way a lot of it, like so much of it was him sending me stuff and me saying that really works or that's the thing or him going i think this is this is and then we would get together when when we could and try and have as much of that kind of like noodling time as as we could but i think um i'd love to have had more time with him uh, from apart from anything i really enjoy that uh, yeah. process with, with him so much but actually, in a way, we've worked together so much that I think what, what he came up with felt so beautiful and right. Mm. And it was stuff that we could kind of make like this backbone emotion, like create these kind of moments, which were the sort of emotional backbone of the of the series, all of which are, are reflected through what he's done. very good at what he does doesn't he when you think about the kind of just in terms of what you guys have worked on the sort of diversity of of the ask of him as a composer you know from frank which we've talked about in great detail and the kind of complexities around yes. that as a as a score and you know and the kind of diegetic music of the band within the film and all that
room's beautiful yes. score and then Little Stranger as well. And then this, and it's just, it's incredible to think about the diversity of work that, that just the two of you have worked on. And Stephen is is amazing because he, and he'd say himself, he, he's interested in the film or the project more than the music as music. And so he he's never trying to bring the music forward. He's always trying to understand what needs to happen in that particular moment yeah. in that project. And that's what's so unusual about him. And he is incredibly... Um, he has this great range, you know, because he's intelligent and it's sort of it's an intelligence about the filmmaking and about what's really happening internally in the in the in the piece is what allows him to write just that right piece of music for mm. that for that place. I mean, I think with Stephen, like I think he got he totally got the the, you know, the way in which commercial tracks could could work within the music. But he but there are such beautiful pieces that he wrote, which are like there were times where they were his or times when they were a commercial track or, you know, and sometimes those decisions are really hard to make because yeah. he'd always write something beautiful for a, for a cue. Um, so it's always hard not to use his stuff. Is it hard as well when you are using existing music to almost hold back from your own emotional kind of connection with that track? Or, you know, because yeah. it's, it's that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I love that song. It makes me think of that. Yeah, but it's not me. It's the yeah, characters. It's not to, me. It? It's the characters. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then there are pieces that you don't always love, but feel right. That's um, weird. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Um, but they just feel like they should be the, you know, they should be the ones. The thing which I really enjoyed in this was listening. And it wasn't actually 
it wasn't some sort of thing of yes let's you know let's buy irish uh because that's <laughs> a, you know because i'm irish and i want to support irish artists <laughs> but but because it sat here and because i was just listening generally to stuff and and finding pieces that i loved and then discovering that they were irish artists and that led me into oh, amazing. a deeper dive yeah really and it led me into a deeper dive going down loads of wormholes of modern and contemporary Irish songwriters and musicians and stuff and listening to people that I hadn't listened to before like um like Orla Gartland for example mm-hmm. involved with Sally in in terms of the writing because Alice Birch obviously who I want to talk about who amazing writer you know in terms of oh, yeah amazing and um, well um old droid film Lady Macbeth I thought was just amazing with Florence and then Absolutely. she worked on Succession which yeah holy crap it's like what a oh, show no. oh my god everything about that show but but yeah so how, how involved was Sally and then what was that kind of relationship with Alice um, so Sally was incredibly involved, like right from the beginning, we were at, we asked if she would be interested and she was in uh, adapting it and she would, she turns out she's a great screenwriter. Um, <laughs> she's so clever and obviously knows this story like nobody else. It is hers. Yeah. It came from her. So she uh, wrote the first six, she, the first draft, of the first six, and then she collaborated with Alice because we knew that. Alice was going to write, Marco Rowe did a great episode later on as well, but Alice did sort of worked across those first six, working with uh, Sally on on subsequent mm-hmm. drafts, and then she did five of the last block. And um, so she was like absolutely central along with Sally to, to that process. And the nice thing was on this one, it was a very happy, uh, you know, it was a really creative and, and, and it was very challenging, you know, as you can imagine, it's a big enough thing to wrangle and all those expectations that you talked about. But at the same time, it was very happy. And Alice and Sally got on really well with each other. And they're two amazing people. Um, Sally's obviously, you know, such a stunning writer. And having her there to to talk to as we went through, I would sometimes ask her things about, like, 
you know, particular characters and what she was thinking when she was writing them and what she felt or whether she had sort of ideas about where some of their kind of uh, what their history histories were and stuff. And that was amazing to have that resource. And particularly with casting as well, she's very kind of had really strong feelings about that. Yeah. Um, but Alice is just she's such a great screenwriter. and She's so clever and she's also amazingly collaborative. So it felt like a and then I, I have to give like credit to Element Pictures who made this right. There are some amazing people in there, along with Ed and a guy named Andrew Lowe. There's like um, Chelsea Morgan Hoffman and Emma Norton. Uh, Emma's one of the exec producers and is yeah. very instrumental in the adaptation. And Chelsea is as a, a script editor, incredible, and a bunch of other people in there. Just so it's a big team to bring something like this, this amount of material, through to completion, like and not drop not let it drop in its mm-hmm. in its quality at any point wow had she written succession her her involvement in succession prior to this or where was she with that i that's a good question she may have been working on it i yeah cannot exactly remember but <sighs> i i was it was lady macbeth that i saw first and then i yeah. read her plays yeah um which are also incredible i need to um, redo Oh, they're really, they're just uh, amazing. And yeah, then Succession, like, yeah, what a great thing to be involved with. Such an incredible show. So she's, yeah, she's, she's, she's a fabulous person. I love the fact as well that a female writer has written a lot of that because I don't know, it's just so ballsy and kind of gutsy and it's just like, oh, yes. Totally. <laughs> I mean, you know, all of it's funny because I also worked with, um, I worked with, uh, so across this, right, there was me in the first block and I worked with Susie Lavelle, cinematographer, mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant cinematographer. And then Hetty MacDonald and she worked with Kate McCullough. So um, both of, of the DPs were Irish women. Um, awesome. And, you know, I, like all of the cliches that we, that I have, to, like if I went back 15 or 20 years and somebody said, do you think there's a reason why the camera department, for example, is so predominantly male? Or is it just a a, a function of of uh, stereotypes and, and, and the history of, you know, the way yeah. gender is dealt with. I probably would have said, mm, there's probably, you know, maybe it's slightly more of a kind of man's department in that people seem to like the tech and yeah. all complete all complete bollocks. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And it, it actually just takes a few, it takes a sort of, just to recognise your own inheritance assumptions yeah 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 yeah. like in terms of what you know oh yeah you know this is a oh succession is so kind of ballsy and nasty and it's about you know this kind of male dominated world yeah so you know you probably uh, just absolutely no difference it's such it's just amazing i mean having worked with with uh susie who's just like the one thing it does do is it takes away some of like it just breaks the the certain vibe that that was often on a set before yeah like that has changed yeah which is really amazing the effect so it's it the positive effects are huge of yeah. just having a much more gender balanced crew you know yeah just really really has changed i see that you are well you know not to believe everything that you read on the internet yeah, um, well, but <laughs> <laughs> particularly at the moment conversations with friends so the yes. so the Sally Rooney Lenny Abramson relationship continues, which is very exciting. Yeah, I mean, and I keep saying uh, I I because I've got 
these other projects, right? You know, and and not all of them, very it, most of them actually are not based on anything. And yes, here I go again. But it was too <laughs> good an experience not oh. to want to repeat it. And I love conversations with friends, and yeah. we're working with the same team, and uh, it's just too good a thing. I just couldn't bear not to do it, and. I'm really excited. So as soon as we're all we're we're very busy away on the adaptation now with brilliant people. And as soon as we're out of this thing, I don't know, you know, we we were planning to shoot it um late this year. I don't know what's gonna happen now in terms of that. But yes, it's gonna be the next thing and it's gonna happen and it's gonna be great. And will it be a film or will it be sort of similar to what you've done TV. with with Amazing. Fantastic. Same, same same shape, really, as this one. Wicked. Oh, brilliant. Well, listen, thank you for your time, as always. It's so great to chat to you. And um, I can't wait to watch the rest of it. As I said, I've watched four episodes and I can't wait to watch the rest. It's so great. It's brilliant. Thank you, Edith. Pleasure to chat to you. Bye, love. Bye. Bye-bye. Stephen Rennick's score to normal people that's together again running off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Lenny Abramson. My huge thanks to Lenny for taking the time to talk to us and to Stephen for sending us a selection of his unreleased cues from normal people to share with you for your enjoyment. Weren't they beautiful? Uh, normal People begins on BBC One on April the 27th with all episodes available on the BBC iPlayer from the 26th and Hulu in the US from April the 29th. Uh, head to edithbowman.com to listen to my chat with Lenny and Stephen at London's BFI uh, where you'll also be able to find every single episode of the pod and please do subscribe past you're there follow us on facebook instagram and twitter we are at soundtracking uk and please do head to our brand new youtube page and subscribe where we're going to put up a brand new episode every week of other bits and bobs that don't make it onto the podcast also please tell your friends if you like what you hear next up the wonderful ricky gervais talking about series two of afterlife and working with andy burrows on the score I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Until then, stay safe.